You are listening to I Survived the Wild Outdoors podcast, where real outdoors men and women share their heroic tales of survival. I'm your host, Brad Mathewson, and this is their story. My guest today is a fellow Wisconsinite. He hails from a very small community in Crawford County. His name is Chris Birkey. After his accident, he decided to pay it forward by training to be a volunteer firefighter and EMS in his rural town. On November 23rd, 2022, little did Chris know, his basic first aid he had learned as a lifeguard and as a Boy Scout would lead a key role in his survival. While laying in a deep gully in southwestern Wisconsin, next to a big buck he harvested, and with no cell phone service, Chris wondered, was today the day he would meet his maker? Can you tell us what happened that day, Chris? Uh, right before Thanksgiving last year, during, uh, the 2022 gun deer season here in Wisconsin, one, it was, uh, I don't even know what day it was, but it was November 23rd. That day does, uh, ring a bell for me. I was uh, supposed to get a turkey ready for the family Thanksgiving and got that all on its brine, went out hunting the next morning, got, uh, got out about 630 Walked out into the stand. My son walked over to his stand. I dropped him off there, and I walked out to mine. <clears throat> walked through a big uh, big field. Got into a stand I've only been into a couple of times. Had some great sign. Was overlooking a big valley down here in Crawford County. Um, with with Crawford County, you got big valleys, big big bluffs, lots of woods, lots of farm field. It was just a prime location. I, I don't even know if the rut was going at that point in time or not, but I uh, <clears throat> bundled up that morning. It was a very cool, uh, very moist morning where uh, that cold just gets right to your bone. Walked out to the stand, got up in the stand, and uh, I was starting to put some of my cold weather stuff back on, pull my hood back up, and zip up the coat, you know, after all the sweat and heat just starts escaping you and start to get a little chill. And right, right around that time I was fishing around a little bit and sitting there looking down this big Valley and, and putting the glove back on. Once I put that glove back on, didn't hear it, but saw this enormous buck come walking out of this huge Valley, um, right towards me, um, straight on. And I'm, I'm heart just a pumping at that point in time <clears throat> as he's walking up and not a clue. I was there. It was, it was a beautiful moment. So I'm trying to figure out a point to raise the gun and, and make sure I have a good, good shot on him. And he got about 20 yards out and decided to take a hard right um, to his right and, and started kind of paralleling me and going back towards a different gully and uh just just trotting not trotting along he was just walking along not a care in the world and he finally got behind a tree or his head got behind a tree where it gave me an opportunity to pull up the gun sunny day it was it was just a beautiful morning beautiful morning and uh his head went behind that tree i pulled the gun up he took one maybe two more steps and uh presented that shoulder to me 
and I let her rip. And uh, I shoot a, a Browning 30-06 A-bolt that I got when I was 16. And uh, it's it's my baby. It's been re-blued a couple of times. And, you know, it's one of those guns that there's some cool ones out there that I really want to buy. But, you know, even if I buy it, I'm not going to hunt with it because I'm going to take the old Browning with me. Yep. And so it's got that boss on it, which is the, you know, the, the muzzle brake. And he, he stopped, just absolutely stopped. He didn't look at anything. He just stopped. And I pulled that trigger. <clears throat> the, the crappy part about that was when with that heavy humidity, um, the smoke, you know, I'm shooting Federal Fusion ammunition and, and it never smokes, but it, it was like I shot a black powder rifle. Okay. Just just a huge puff of smoke comes out. <clears throat> and, and and as you're shooting, right, you, you look to see where it hits and, and, and how the deer reacts and, and you know, did I hit him good? And with that smoke, I couldn't see him. <clears throat> I'm looking through the scope. I drop the gun down. I'm looking, I'm looking. I hear crash, crash. And then I hear a cuff thud as far as a, a drop drop down and into the under the ground right and and little did i realize at the time that uh, he had gone down in this gully so i'm looking and i'm looking and i don't see anything and the smoke finally clears i it felt like 10 minutes until that smoke cleared but it was probably you know 10 seconds and i hear a little bit of thrashing and and then i hear nothing so i you know back to my days when my dad's teaching me to hunt back when I'm 10 years old. And uh, <clears throat> the last spot I, I saw him, where I shot at him, I took a picture, right? Today we've got technology. It's a beautiful thing. Took a picture of the tree he was next to so that when I got down, um, I could look at it because, you know, I, I've got my son. He's about a mile away from me, yep. a landowner. Um, landowner, he was doing his thing. He, he was fertilizing some fields. Uh, he wasn't hunting that day. It's, uh, it's just one of those deals where it, it's it's me. And uh, the the a little little preview. There's no cell service out here, right? We're in Crawford County. We're in the bluffs. We're yep. up on top of a bluff, and there's zero cell service. Like everybody likes to surf the internet or look at Facebook or whatever they're doing out in the woods. I can't do any of that, which is great. You know, you get to get out of your mind and enjoy the outdoors, but there's, there's zero cell service. So I couldn't even text any, I, I text my kid thinking, well, oh, maybe it'll go through, but just text him. Hey, that was me. <clears throat> and, uh, got down. Uh, I waited about 20 minutes. I, I mean, I heard the one thrash and that was all I heard. So I get down from my stand and I walk over to where I thought I shot him. Look at the picture again. Cause I'm, I'm just like spot locked on this thing. And here's a little bit of hair and, whole bunch of blood and I'm like all right here we go I, I, I follow the trail and when I say I follow the trail it's like 20 feet to this gully yeah. and in the gully I knew it was there but I didn't know that's where he went right so <clears throat> I looked down in the gully and up against this big stump not, not stump fallen tree there he sits I'm like oh man he is a monster right as he's walking up he was just a monster I'm like I have never seen something with such a heavy beam on it before. <clears throat> this this can't be real. So I'm looking at him and 
like, all right. So I got my gun and a couple days prior I had shot a doe and, uh, when I shot the doe, I, you know, followed her and got her, I think I skinned her out, processed her the, the day before that. So we're at the, at the farm and, you know, use the tractor, lift the deer up, skin it out, quarter it up, throw it in the cooler, put a little cardboard down over the ice so you don't get the wet meat. And, yep. and uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm again prefacing what's about to happen. So I, I get down there, right? And I, I walk down this hill and it's a it's a hundred foot ravine. I'm wow. like, holy shit, how, how am I going to get them out of here? And, and I don't even have the deer. I haven't even touched the deer yet, right? And I'm holding how the heck am I going to get him out of here? So I, I scaled down this ravine and I slipped down half the hill. It was, it was pretty nasty trying to get down in there. And so I, I'm looking at him and he's, you know, it looks like he was just trying to rest up against this, this log. I'm thinking, man, his, his eyes are really glossy. And is, is he really, is he dead or is he still alive? And I close the gap on him and, and walk up on him and, kind of waiting to see <laughs> I had scoped him a little bit just to see if he was breathing or not and I mean the blood patch in the in the kill zone right told yep. me yeah he, he's done for but <clears throat> you never know right no. it, it just it was one of those looks that like is he still alive is he not right it just just the way his head was and his mouth wasn't open and so I get up to him and you know I'm, I'm walking slow and I give him a little poke and nothing i'm like holy crap look at this deer you know you typical hunter you take a bunch of pictures of where you where where he's laying i mean he he was posed for me in this yep. in this thing so i was like cool i look up and so i finally you know get to the point of all right now we now we got to get him out of here and you know how how this happened so he had he had jumped down the ravine i think he only hit i only saw two spots where he hit on the way down <clears throat> He got to the bottom of the ravine. He tried going up the other side of the ravine. And and the crash I heard was him falling when he was halfway up the hill. And as he fell, he hit a rock. And and that rock chipped his antler. So I was pissed, right? Like, man, you know, it didn't take off a time, but man, this this thing was perfect. This is an awesome deer. Now he's gonna chip the antler. Shit. And then I'm looking at him a little more and I'm like, oh. It looks like uh, some hair pulled, you know, some some slippage in the white spot in his neck. Yep. So at that point, I'm like, you know what? I've got one on the wall from two years ago. I've got a euro mount from two years ago. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna mount this guy. I'll do a head mount on him. No big deal. Is there this little slippage on his neck? It was it was a bear patch, right? Yep. So I I drag him off the the log after I get all the pictures taken that I wanted to take. There's a ton of them, right? And uh, <clears throat> I get him down, and I, I grab my backpack. I brought that down with me, and I open up my backpack, and I go to see where my uh, my knife is. My, you know, I've got one of those replaceable razor blade. I think they're outdoor. I can't remember. Outdoor Edge. There you go. Outdoor yep. Edge. I got the right? same one. They're really nice. Oh, I love those knives. Love them. I got a whole bunch of blades in there, but I don't have the knife. I'm like, shit. Well, you've always got a couple knives on you when you're hunting, right? But yep. I've got a pocket knife, and I've got another knife that I keep in my backpack that's not even close to an outdoor edge. So I grab my pocket knife, and like, and and there was there's some 
predator activity in that area the day before. So I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not going to let him sit. I'm not going to leave him here with his guts in. I know I got to go back to the truck to get a bunch of stuff to get him out of here, but I'm going to get him to cut it out. I'm, I'm not, I'm not waiting on cutting him out. So I, I used my uh, bench made out of my pocket that, you know, maybe I sharpened six months ago <laughs> and uh, gutted him out. Yeah, it was, it was a chore. And, and you know, back to the, I'm not going to mount them. The way I learned how to gut deer, you go all the way up the chest, right? Make it, make it nice and easy to get out the, yep. the trachea and pull all that shit out of there. So you don't have to, you know, dig around and maybe hit yourself with a knife. So <clears throat> cut them up to get the chest, get everything out, get them, you know, sprawled out on all fours. And I've got my heavy stuff on, right? I, I, I wear my bow hunting stuff, um, heavy, you know, my winter bow hunting stuff with an orange vest over the top of it and an orange hat. And, and <clears throat> I decide, all right, we're going to leave him here. He's going to drain out. Everything's good. I go back to the truck. I'm going to call a kid, let him know. I don't want to bother him. He's still hunting. I can deal with this myself. I got a four-wheeler back at the house. No big deal. <clears throat> so I hike out of the woods and then hike across the huge farm field up the hill. And, and the elevation, I don't know. I think I've looked at the topo map, and it's like 980 to 1,000 feet that I had to go up, let alone the six 700 yards that it is across these fields. So <clears throat> walk up, get to the road, walk back to my truck. And, and by this time you're sweating again. I'm like, all right, we're, we're done with this. I'm not going to be hunting after this. I take off the bibs. I take off the heavy winter coat. <clears throat> I decide to, uh, you know, Hey, there's my knife sitting in the back of my truck yep. that, uh, after I skinned and, and quartered up that deer the other day, that's awesome. So I had a, an old ratchet strap that uh, that had torn off, right? You, you put it on a four-wheeler, and all of a sudden it, it hits the edge, and snap it goes, right? Yep. So I'm like, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll mount them. Maybe I, I don't know yet. You know, at, at the one point, I'm like, no, I've got enough on the wall. I don't need to do anything with this one. And so I grabbed this, <clears throat> this old ratchet strap. It's, it's probably two feet long, and I get a, a big toe strap and I find another rope in the back of my truck. Like I've got 200 feet of stuff that I'm going to, I'm going to go with. I uh, grabbed my handgun, left my, my rifle at the, the truck, <clears throat> but stripped all of my heavy stuff off and threw my orange vest back on, grabbed the backpack just in case I needed anything out of it. Grabbed the four wheeler trailer was on the four wheeler. So here I go go back out there and the farmer had been, you know, fertilizing the fields and I get, I don't know, halfway back out to that field and farmer jumps off his tractor and Hey, what's going on? Well, I shot, I shot one down there. I show him a picture. Holy crap, man. That's a nice deer. Yeah. Where is he? He's down in this ravine. Oh shit. I'm going to, I'm going to come help you. <clears throat> okay. Said so you, you really don't need to. I know you got a lot of fertilizing to do, so why don't you just keep doing what you're doing? No, 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 no. I'm gonna help you. Okay. <clears throat> so we jump on the four wheeler, go through the field, get down to the woods, and and there's a, a kind of a four wheeler trail I was right off of in the stand, and the the woods didn't re it opened up a little bit, but you know there's down trees and everything you expect in the woods, and 
I'm thinking, all right, we'll just park it right here and walk down there and get it. And here's the ropes and everything. You know, I showed him everything I had. I left the handgun in the, in the back of the trailer. And so uh, we, we get to this trail. He's like, turn the four wheeler around. We'll hook the trailer. We're driving it down there. I said, well, what? Ah, if we had a track, if, if I had trust the tractor, we'd go down there with it, but I don't have the change on the tractor. So, nope. <clears throat> and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I, I grew up hunting in the North woods up North of Ladysmith and having a four wheeler back then was, you know, taboo. Yeah. Um, four, four wheelers only came out like five years ago in our opinion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he coming down here and they're like, I don't care if there's a whole bunch of trees, we're driving in there. We're going to pick this thing up and get it out of there. Okay. So <clears throat> we get down there and, you know, we find a, find a place where after we, you know, he jumps the four wheeler over this like 16 inch tree that was down and in, in, in their way and a whole bunch of other crap. But so we get down to the top of the gully and I find this nice, nice path where it's going to come. The, the, the deer's going to come up pretty easy once we hook up the, all the, the ropes and the straps and all that fun stuff. <clears throat> so I, I, I hook everything up and I kind of pull myself, you know, I'm repelling, right? I've never repelled in my life, but I'm repelling here um, as I go down the hill with the, the straps and the ropes that we have hooked up. And yep, this is a good path. Great. Well, the deer is about, I don't know, 10, 10, 15 feet away from it, right? And he's facing the other way after I put him out on all fours. Yep. So <clears throat> I'm like, all right, I, I got to move him. And, and I left the, the, the uh, ratchet strap at, at the bottom of you know where i'm gonna hook him up so i walk over there i i grab his grab his rack and as most you know 40 43 at this point in my life right 43 year olds we still think that we're tough as nails and we we can do about anything yeah i grab his rack i go to spin him around and as i'm spinning him around and it's you know the one fail swoop of just pulling and going because I've got 280 pounds behind me and I got a little inertia going a little bit downhill. So we're going to get this guy moved in, you know, a, a short order. Well, in this gully was a, uh, just a crap ton of rocks, right? Like I'm walking around down in there before and looking back at it, it's like, Oh shit, should have known this, but there's, there's a bunch of rocks down there, small, medium, large, you know, n nothing consistent. And I go to flip them around. And as I do that, <clears throat> my my foot hits a rock and i'm still holding on to the rack and it's probably natural and i i go down like i fall backwards and as i'm falling backwards the rack hits the ground and my leg hits the rack and and, and i didn't think much of it man did it hurt like hell They're like i'm i'm damn that hurt and i'm hobbling around and it was just a really weird situation. And I've, I've fallen on a rack before, right? Pulling deer out of the woods, and it's not a big deal. And so I stand up, and the landowner's still at the top of the hill, and he's, hey, hey. He used some fun words, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I got stuff to do today. Can we get this done? And, you know, and he's joking around. That's that's the way we are. I've known the guy for four years since I moved down here, and we're good buddies. and you know, he's just razzing me, and I'm just like, hold on a minute, and I'm limping around, and, you know, I'm, oh, man, this really hurts, and I look down at my, my pants, and 
on my left leg is, is some blood. And I don't know, it's probably a six inch swath of blood on the, on the pants. I'm like, man, did that soak through? And I, when I gutted that deer, out? did that soak through my bibs? And that, that's just really odd. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to walk it off and he's still up there giving me crap. And so I finally get to a point, I look at my leg again and well, the blood's, it's, it's a little bigger now. So I sit down and I unzip the side because they're, they're, you know, camel pants. They're kind of a, you know, that, that soft shell type um, pants, right? They're pretty strong and <clears throat> they're, they're wind resistant and all those fun things. And so I zip up the side of it and I'm wearing <clears throat> some uh, nice camel mucks that come, you know, all the way up your darn leg, up halfway up your calf. Yep. And uh, I pull up my pants <clears throat> and what I see at that point was quite scary. Uh, I started seeing squirting blood coming through my, my uh, long underwear. Oh my God. And at that point I'm like, well, we get, I look up, I said, we got a problem. <clears throat> and, and the farmer goes, well, don't you be bleeding in my woods. You need a Snoopy bandaid down there. Like, no, I don't need a Snoopy bandaid. All of a sudden I kick off my, my boot and talking to him afterwards, he goes, the second you kicked off your boot, I knew there was something wrong. <clears throat> so I'm holding it with my glove. I had switched out my gloves. I had some, you know, deer skin leather gloves. How, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that was just funny. Right. Yep. Um, so I'm holding, I'm holding it, put, put direct pressure on. Right. I've, I, I was a lifeguard at one point in my life and I was an Eagle scout. So I have some basic first aid stuff. So I'm holding direct pressure and, I'm like, I, I got to see what's going on. And I pull up my long underwear and there are things that I saw on my leg that I never want to see again of my own body. Right. I'm, I'm seeing white and I'm seeing muscle and come to find out, you know, it's, it was the fat and the muscle and the skin. And I see this seven inch gash across the back of my leg. And, and I looked up, I said, we got a problem. I need you down here now. <clears throat> and then all the joking stopped um, and, and he got into, all right, what do we need to do? So there's a strap at the bottom of the hill. Um, that's going to, what I was going to use for the, you know, pulling the deer up the hill. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll grab that. So he, he like slides down the hill, grabs the strap, comes over there. <clears throat> I put my long underwear back down, trying to, you know, keep some cover on it. And I'm, I'm holding it, but it's squirting. It's it's not just oozing out, it's squirting. And I knew that was a problem. Yeah, that's not good. <clears throat> no. So I grabbed the, he, he hands me the, the ratchet strap and I cinch it around my leg. And so for the first time I did it, I didn't, you know, put it through the eyelet. I put it through the S-hook part. I'm like, no, that's not going to work. So I put it through the eyelet over that ratchet strap and uh, started twisting it. And from what I've ever known about tourniquets, which I didn't know much about. I was always told, don't ever use a tourniquet or you're going to lose your leg yep. or your arm or whatever you put on it. Right. <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm past that point. I, I need to do something where I'm not going to make it out of here. So I crank it down and it hurts like hell. And one of the things I also remember about tourniquets is if it hurts like hell, you keep going <clears throat> until that bleeding stops. So, I did that and, you know, I'm still holding my hand and I don't see the blood dripping anymore. So I'm, I'm kind of happy. And 
and I pull my hand off and okay, it's still, you know, oozing, but let's give her another crank. He goes, what do we got to do now? I said, there's no way you're getting me out of here and I can't crawl up that hill. I said, we, we got to call 911. <clears throat> I'll go back to my phone didn't work down there. Right. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I think back to this all the time. If, if I wouldn't have stopped, when the farmer, you know, if the farmer wouldn't have stopped and if I wouldn't have stopped and we had that chat, uh, would I still be here today? Um, because his phone didn't work. So he, he calls 911, <clears throat> tell him what's going on. And uh, they're like, all right, we're, we're sending people. So um, he's talking to 911. They're sending people. And uh, he goes, all right, well, I got to go show people where we're at. They're like, you, you can't leave him. <laughs> like, listen, if I don't leave him, nobody's finding us. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, then then leave the phone with him. And then they they hooked us up with uh, La Crosse County has this medical dispatch. And they try to talk you through medical emergencies while, while it's going on. Okay. So, you know, this guy is talking to me and, hey, are you still there? And, you know, making sure I'm not passing out. And at this point, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little better. Like I've got the bleeding controlled, uh, you know, but right before that, I'm like, I, I look at this horizon because, you know, you're in a gully and, and, and there's a, it, we're on a bluff. And I looked at it and I said, this is where I end. This, this is where I die. <clears throat> there's, there's no more after this. And it was, it was a, it was a hell of a moment. Um, so then, you know, the great part about it, instead of being able to sit there and think about the last things in your life, right. Is you got somebody to talk to and they're like, all right, how's the bleeding? How's the pain? How's this? You still with me? Are you lightheaded? You know, they're going through everything, just yeah. making sure you're still with them. Right. And you know, this, this hike that took me, it was probably 30 minutes to get out of that gully and back to my truck, right? I'm not moving fast at all. I'm just, you know, moving along. It it took the farmer about five minutes to do that entire hike. Wow. <clears throat> Running, rolling, just going. Um, got up to the road so EMS knew where to go in um, and, and, and all that. And so, you know, all of a sudden I started hearing sirens. Before that, before hearing sirens, I asked the, the medical people, I said, hey, you know, on another line, can you call my son? They're like, call your son? I said, yeah, he's hunting with me. He's going to start hearing some sirens, and that's uh, probably not a good thing for him to hear and, and, and not be able to figure out what's going on. No, you, he, you can just call him or off the phone. Like, oh, okay. Well, that was a try anyway. Yeah. So <clears throat> 30 minutes go by from when we initially called 911, and, and I'm in rural rural wisconsin right like our i'm probably 10 10 minutes 10 to 15 minutes from my house um to where i hunt and i'm i'm in town now my town is a town called fairyville and it's 191 people um not a huge town but you know you think of first responders and, and everybody's volunteered on here. So it was 30 minutes to, to the dot that, uh, 
from when we initiated the 911 call to when I finally saw them, right? I, I heard them coming, but hey, they've got to walk that walk too and get into the woods and, and do all that. And uh, they, they they finally got there in 30 minutes. <clears throat> um, they, they went to put a tourniquet on, so I already had one on. They were they were good with the one I had on, so they just left theirs hanging. And you know they started going through their checks, and they they wanted to see it. So I said, "Hey, have at it. Pull up the pull up the um, long underwear. Oh, we're going to cut it." Well, they didn't have any trauma shears with them, so they couldn't cut it. So we gave them a knife, and and it got cut at that point in time. They're looking at it, and they bandage it, and they they put some uh, pressure bandage on it. <clears throat> And uh, we sat there and waited. And I don't know, I, I want to say 15 to 20 people. People told me there's been more, there were more than that. But when when uh, EMS hears man gored by a, a buck and is bleeding profusely, uh, a lot of people show up because they just want to see what the hell's going That's on, right? right? <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's, I don't know, 15 people down in the woods and, and and a lot of them, I know because it's a small community, right? Yep. You know, I, I know them from going down, and sitting at the bar, having a beer, or having dinner on a Friday night, and and one of them was a good buddy of mine. He he showed up. I don't know, maybe an hour into it, <clears throat> and uh, we were supposed to cut deer up that night because I got in a doe a couple of days ago, right? And and uh, he gets to the top of the hill and he looks down says some expletives, uh, but also says, guess we're not cutting up deer tonight, huh? <clears throat> yeah, no. <laughs> so, you know, that, that starts that. Um, I want to say three different departments uh, came to this. There's, a, you know, the Ferryville uh, Fire and Rescue came. They were the first ones on scene, got me stabilized. Um, Okooch Mountain Rescue came out. They've got a, a six-wheel ATV with a winch on it, uh, Gaze Mills came out, and just, just a ton of people coming out. And uh, they, they, they had to get a plan together. How the hell are we going to get you out of this 100-foot ravine? So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting down there, and a couple of first responders, hey, you want to get a picture of the deer? Yeah, you're not getting a picture of the deer without me in it. So I've got uh, pictures from my, my buddy, the, the farm owner, of people taking pictures of me or people taking pictures of me uh, holding the deer, right? So a picture of people taking pictures is the funny part. Um, but <clears throat> just a ton of people wanted to take pictures of that deer. It was, it was a nice deer. Um, so, you know, some more time goes by, and uh, they finally, all right, we're, we're going to put you in this basket. We're going to hook you up to the four-wheeler. We're going to lift you up. Uh, go back to the beginning where I said I'm 6'4 and 280 pounds, not a light guy. Um, they had to cut a bunch of trees down to get that UTV back in there. They had to cut some trees that were across some trails. I mean, there was there was a ton of stuff to do. The, the, the first responders did just an amazing job to, one, get back there, two, get me stabilized, and then I, I'm, we're talking today, so obviously getting me out of there and getting me to the help I needed. Um, so they got me up the hill, the little EMS humor they had was, uh, Hey, we've only, the last guy we brought out of a, a valley, 
in one of these baskets. We only dropped him once, right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, cool, great. <clears throat> but, you know, we were laughing and joking. That, that, that to me was a release for me, knowing people were there, knowing I was stabilized, the bleeding was controlled. Um, I was going to make it out of there. And, and that was, that was the huge part after, you know, throwing the tourniquet on and, and then them bandaging it and saying, yep, you, you did what you needed to do and, and let's go. So they get me up the hill. They got me out of the woods. They had to carry me out of the woods. They couldn't put me in the back of the UTV in the woods because I would have fallen out. Um, they get me out into the field. <clears throat> and then, uh, I think it was eight people had to lift me up into the UTV Wow. And I, uh, I profusely said, man, I, I'm sorry for weighing so damn much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to lose some weight if this ever happens again. Um, got me into the, got me into the UTV, the UTV got me up into the, the ambulance sheriff's department's there. Hey, that's your truck. Yes, that's my truck. All right, we'll, we'll do all the paperwork and, um, you know, 20 and then, you know, not, I, I don't even know exactly what time it had gone by at this point in time if it was an hour and a half or two hours um but now we've got a 20 to 30 minute ride to the hospital so we get to the hospital uh you know and 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 being in this driftless region there's not a straight road anywhere so we're going around corners going around curves up and down hills uh they cut my sweatshirt off of me i was i was disappointed in that but you know i'm 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 awake could have taken it off I, but I get it at this point in my life, as you'll hear later. Um, they, they get things off of me. We get to the hospital. And they're like, what happened? And they're like, oh, man. Oh, okay. So they, they put my leg up in this, this lift. And uh, <clears throat> tourniquet's still on. And and they unbandage it. And they, they were saying things like, holy crap. Mind you, the the antler never penetrated any of my clothes. My my pants never got a hole. My long underwear never got a hole. It the the antler went in straight in the took skin. Took all my clothes, stuffed them right up in me. Um, the antler went behind my knee, um, all the way up. So you know, it's it's the top of my cat behind the top of my left calf. Okay. Um, went up and in and the, and the curvature just it went right with it hit a couple muscles up in there hit the artery um but you know it went all the way up into my thigh area um the the pictures are just just horrific to look at um even even asking me after i've seen them but it, you know it went it went in I, I have to get a tape measure but it was probably six eight inches right and it just fell out. <clears throat> so they get my leg up and they're, they're looking at it. And the ER doctor, he looks at it and he gives me this look. He goes, I'm not your guy. Like I, I said to him, I said, I applaud you for saying that you're not the guy and you're going to find somebody that can take care of this. He's like, yep, nope. We got a surgeon on his way down. They, you know, they listened to my foot, made sure I had blood flow down there. The surgeon goes, all right, we're, we're going to get you into, into surgery. We're going to fix everything, sew it back up. And you got to take a COVID test first. Cause you know, last year, I guess we were still in COVID. 
And uh, that took, I think that took like an hour and a half to come back. I, I didn't wow. know the COVID test took that long, right? So I'm sitting there and they're like, do you need anything for pain? I looked at the nurse, I'm like, are you kidding me? So I got some nice uh, pain meds to relax me and um, put me in a state where I didn't care how long it took them, but let's just get this fixed. Got it all fixed up. <clears throat> Whole bunch of stitches on the inside, 23 stitches on the outside. Uh, missed, I, I've got a, a tattoo on the, my, my left calf. Missed it by about a sixteenth of an inch. Uh, surgeon even commented that, you know, people get mad when I get into their their tattoos when I'm going in for surgery. Luckily, you missed it, and I'll try to stay away from it. Oh, you know what? Again, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> that 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 whole thing was just amazing, right? The 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 way the deer antler went in. Uh, the way it didn't pierce my clothes. And that, that's why I didn't even think about it, right? Like, it didn't pierce my clothes. It wasn't ripped. It wasn't anything. It was just a blood spot. And I've, I've done that before where you, you've fallen on something. And I've done it on a deer antler before too, right? Like, uh, I'm I'm 6'4". I'm clumsy as hell. Um, but it just hurts. And and to to know what happened after that and to have the wherewithal at the, that point in time to, you know, pull my pants up and holy crap, I'm, I'm bleeding really bad. And, uh, and to put a tourniquet on and, and having my buddy there that had the cell phone that worked come to find out later, Hey, Apple, Apple has this thing where for two years from the date of purchase, you've got SOS. I learned about that afterwards. Oh, really? I saw the SOS on my phone. Yeah. I didn't even know so that. If you get out of service, um, as long as you have line of sight to to the sky, right? Okay. You're going to see this little thing on your Apple phone that says SOS. Well, did a lot of research on that SOS afterwards when somebody said, "Oh yeah, you could you could have gotten through," um, but it, it's you can text nine one one through that SOS. Now it it goes into this cloud and, and somebody from Apple grabs it and then kicks it down to your nearest responder and, and all this fun stuff. Right. Like, but as long as you've got that SOS on your phone, um, you're still golden. And, and that was really cool to know um, at that point in time. The other thing that was cool to know is, is the EMS around here uses this app called what three words. And it's an app where, you know, as as you call in to nine one one, obviously it, it pings where you are. Okay. And it gives a GPS location. <clears throat> so this GPS location it, it's it's down to three feet. And the this this app, what three words, um, they send it to the first responders. Um, so they send it to the first responders. They type in these three words um that, that dispatch gives you. And it brings you right to the person. So in all technical purpose, did the farmer have to leave? No, he didn't. Did no. he help out in expediting where to come in and how to get in there? Absolutely, right? Nobody knows the land better than he does. So, you know, th those are some cool things with technology we have nowadays. And, you know, the, the SOS thing on the phone and this what three words. But, you know, nothing beats the down home knowing how to save yourself, right, with a with a tourniquet yep. or 
having somebody there that, that can help out and, and guide people back to you. It's, uh, <clears throat> I, I still go back and, and my, uh, my wife got me a, you know, she, I, I wanted to cover up a tattoo. I got a, a barbed wire when I was 18 years old. Hard to believe, right? Yeah. But <clears throat> I wanted to cover that up and went to the tattoo artist and said, I want this deer and this this background, right? And it was one of my pictures I took right before everything went down. And it was the horizon that I looked at and said, this is where I end, right? So I got that big old tattoo on my arm right now and, and love every second of it. That's cool. <laughs> But, you know, all said and done, my, my, my kid, you know, everybody's on one side of the ravine. Somehow he got on the other side of it and he just sat there and watched. <laughs> it, it, it was, you know, it wasn't traumatic for him because, you know, everybody knew that I was going to be okay at that point in time. The, my, my landowner buddy had called at the time my fiance and said, hey, uh, there's a problem in the woods. Well, there's not really a problem. Just call me back, you know. So that's that's the kind of, you know, how how we were handling it. Trying not to be serious. It was serious. It was very serious. But trying not to, you know, alert or or send tons of people into a frenzy before yeah. we knew exactly how I was getting out and and what was going to go on. But you know, and and, and after that, I went to a board meeting in in the town and and just said, hey. You know, I, I gave a five-minute speech with, with tears in my eyes um, about how Ferryville Fire and Rescue did an amazing job of what, you know, and how they saved me. Um, but also, you know, I look back at things like, you know, my lifeguarding instructor. I called her here, I don't know, it, it wasn't a year ago. It was probably six months ago. And just saying, hey, this is what happened to me. And, you know, the things you taught me in class. This, this this saved me, right? You know, so, you know, talking to my old high school gym teacher uh, when I took WSI and, and you know, basic first aid and CPR, <clears throat> here I am 25 years later saying, or I don't even know if it's 25 years later, but whatever, 18 to 43, uh, telling her, you know, just calling her out of the blue, hey, this happened to me and, and what you taught me. I'm still here because of it and, you know, going through Boy Scouts and becoming an Eagle Scout and all the things I learned through there, just basic first aid and, <clears throat> and luckily having the right things in the right place at the right time. I could have used a belt or anything like that, but, you know, that ratchet strap was right there and, and ready to go. So just, you know, I've, I've never thought I've had, I never in my life had thought that being, going out hunting I would, I would be injuring myself or, you know, I always heard the whole thing of, um, when, when you're gutting a deer out that, um, sorry, got distracted for a second. Yeah. With the knife, sa- um, knife safety, not. Yeah. Knife safety, you know, gutting the deer out and, uh, femoral artery. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Femoral artery. Yep. Your femoral. Yep. Right? That, that's, those are things you just don't want to do. Well, that was the thing I always thought would take me out, right? Like, if anything in the woods would take me out, it was going to be a femoral artery. Yeah. But, you know, that never happened. So, you know, got this Christmas, all my kids, all my, all my girlfriend's kids, 
they all got first aid kits yep. and, and not just a basic first aid kit, like a trauma first aid kit. And a lot of that comes from, so, you know, after my speech to the, the, the village board saying, Hey, you know, Perryville fire and rescue did an amazing job along with everybody else. Um, I decided I'm going to, I'm going to get on the fire department. Um, so I got on the fire department. That's awesome. Uh, I, I, went through and took my EMS class. Um, the, I, I can't remember when I got done. I think in March of this year, um, okay. I got, I got my certification for EMS. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, taking, That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, it was pretty cool, right? Going through that and, yep. you know, being able to share some of the stories and, and, you know, but in, and seeing that, so <clears throat> did that Been taking fire classes. Um, I've been on, I think I've missed like four calls since I've been on the squad. Wow. Um, I respond from my house, the, the, the department. Uh, I'm one of the guys that lives in the middle of town. So they're like, hey, we're going to give you one of these jump jump bags so I can respond right from my house. Not with lights and sirens, but I can respond from my house. And, and I show up. I'm, I'm one of the first ones there quite a bit. And it's, it's so cool to, you know, <clears throat> And as you're learning through EMS, you, you don't think about it this way, but you know you're there to help somebody on their worst day of their life. Yeah, and, and that's what they were there for me, right? And and so now it's my turn to give back, and you now I've got the skills. I, I, I've taken the classes. It's not just like I want to do this because I was there. It's it's <clears throat> I want to give back, and and we've got a small community, and in our department, I would say it's big for our area. We've got. I think we've got 18 people in our department right now, but you know, it's a volunteer department and, and people work and people have lives and families. And, you know, there, there's a lot of factors that, that bring it to, Hey, some, sometimes we'll have two people that, that can respond to an emergency. Sometimes we'll have 10 people that can respond to an emergency, yeah. but total look at the draw and a little bit of my pause there was, uh, the wife's coming in with my radio because I just turned, heard tones go off in the background, but it's Sunday night, so I'm, I haven't I haven't seen anything come through on my phone, which it will if uh, there's a problem. But you know, it, it's it's cool to be part of somebody, be part of a group to to help others in that time of need and and to get them the care they need to one stop a you know stop a death or stop whatever it is and, and get them to the care that they need because as as my story was, it was 30 minutes before they got to me, right? And, yep. and that's a huge amount of time. But you think about it, and, and, and we're in this EMS shortage right now, right? So here's a plug for the EMS. It, it takes most of us five minutes to get to the station, to get to whether it's the EMS rig or the fire fire rig, right? And then how far away are we from there? Is it five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? We've got a broad area that we cover, right? And a lot of the departments do. So, you know, it's, it's 15 to 20 minutes before anybody can show up. And that's, that that's if they're dressed and ready to go. Yeah. Not, not a two in the morning or three in the morning phone call or a, a page that goes out and you got to get dressed and middle of the winter, you got to let your vehicle warm up for a minute or so, and then you're on the road. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's it's cool to be able to be part of something like that and to help and, and to give back, right? To help <clears throat> be part of the people that, that saved me at one point in time and, and be involved 
it's just, it's so cool. Yeah. You definitely come full circle. It's, you know, you, and you know, who knows if you even, if, if you even thought about emergency service prior to this or, or, or volunteering for something like this. Not a bit, not a bit, not a bit. I mean, I've volunteered for scouting here and there, but you know, it, never thought of, uh, of doing EMS or fire before something like that happened. And, and I mean, everybody's got busy lives and, and I've, I mean, I used to travel a ton for work and I spend a lot of time at home now, but you know, even with the busy lives that you have, even taking the time out for the classes that I did twice a week for, I think it was four months, you know, two nights a week from, I think it was from six to six to nine. Um, yeah, that's a big, and, that's a big commitment. Really is. Commitment, but, yeah. You know, for something it, that, you're, that it, you're not getting paid for, you know, yeah, that's yeah, volunteering that's, is so, so crucial to, it. especially in a rural area like that, where you don't have coverage, where, where literally minutes count. I mean, li- minutes can save yeah. someone's life. And the, that's why, you know, I feel also that EMS is so important because they're right there in the community. You know, you might have yeah. someone right next door where you can just hop in your truck and you're, you know, a couple blocks away and you're there versus by the time the fire department gets there and, and you're the first one on the scene. And, and I mean, you could definitely change someone's outcome of, of that accident, you know, or maybe the, yeah. you know, two, three minutes later and they'd pass away, but you're there to give emergency care immediately and, right. and, and uh, save someone's life. So yeah, just, just full circle is it, it's awesome. It's just giving back. And, and that's what, what is, what the world's about is just helping people out, you know, there's not enough yeah, people yeah. out there. Like I said, I, I know my next door neighbor is a firefighter and he says all the time how they're so short staffed all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we had a, we had a fire last Thursday and it was a barn fire and, and, you know, our, our neighboring, it was in our neighboring uh, fire department's jurisdiction and, and we got called for mutual aid and, you know, three of us showed up from our department and, and the other problem with being rural and, and people that want to be involved, right? Like I'm part of two different squads right now. And, and there's others on our, on our department that are part of three, four five different squads. So now you talk about mutual aid, like, Hey, we're going to get the neighboring department to help. Well, yeah. you know, three of our department members are already on this one and they're not going to come from there. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate we have to cannibalize ourselves, but, you know, to to help out when the, the mutual aid's not needed. But when the mutual aid's needed, it, it's tough. Just just like your neighbor, there's not enough people. No. It, it, it's hard. It's, you know, there's there's lots of different programs out there trying to get people into it. But, you know, we don't get paid. Uh, we, we still have a life to do. And <clears throat> my work, they 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 understand it and, and they know why I do it. And I'll be in the middle of a team's call and all of a sudden I just hit the leave button and boom, I'm in my truck and texting a couple people saying, Hey, this is why I left. And all right, we'll, we'll see you when you get back. Right. Yep. But it, it's just having that sense of urgency for somebody else's problems. No, definitely need more people like you that, that have big hearts and, and care about the other people in the world. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So I want to yeah. get back a little bit when, when you went in and had your surgery and they, uh, you know, stitched you up in that, well, I mean, uh, how did that affect your daily life or what, what have you had any long-term, 
uh, damage or, or mobility issues beca- because of this? Yeah, so, you know, <clears throat> me being the stubborn uh, Norwegian I am, uh, Thanksgiving I took off hunting, but so it happened on a Thursday, or it happened on a Wednesday. Thursday I took the day off of hunting. Friday uh, I went back out. Um, I was on crutches, <clears throat> couldn't couldn't really move my leg, and I didn't go in the woods, right? It was, I'm going to go sit in the field, and it was more of just sitting in my truck, and yeah. the gun wasn't even with me. It was, you know, more just to be out. Um, but, you know, I, I went to Alberta here recently and um, did a lot of standing, and in the stand, all of a sudden, my, my left knee just started killing me, and it was from the backside of my knee. And, and for the first day, I was like, what in the heck is going on? It's like someone's stabbing me. And and then I realized that that was this exact area where the antler goes in, went in, and it was a weather change. So weather changes are hard for me. Uh, Mobility-wise, yeah, I've, I've got some knee problems right now. Um, some are from prior injuries through water skiing and other dumb things I did as a kid. But uh, I, I do have some mobility issues. Not not that I need a cane, not that I you know need a wheelchair or anything like that. It's you know I, I got to take things a little slower and uh, take a lot more ibuprofen than I ever used to. Right, okay. just to go through some of that <clears throat> nerve nerve stuff. Not too much nerve stuff, and, and you know being the lower leg. I mean, I, I got some tingling in my foot or some numbness in my foot every once in a while that's unexplained. Um, but just not a lot. Luckily, the surgeon did a great job going in there, fixing the artery, fixing the, all the internal stuff and then sewing it back up. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of rehab, just, just movement stuff, but long-term we're good to go. The, the part that hurt the worst, um, for probably two months afterwards, um, I mean, the stitches obviously hurt like hell, but, um, where I put the tourniquet on, um, it, it was just an immense pain. It was like, you know, when when you're with your cousins or your brothers, when you're a kid at Christmas and they're giving you Charlie horses, right? Yeah. Um, you, you play that fun game. Who won the horse race? Charlie by a hair. Um, I mean, it was all around my leg that way um, for a, for a long time, and it was, you know, I put I I didn't do what they typically say to do now that I've, I'm a trained EM, EMS, right? They, they say high and tight. So get as far as up as you can, right? Okay. In your groin area. I went, you know, probably six inches above my knee because I knew that, you know, the femoral artery, you could still, it's pretty open right there. Yep. And, uh, it, it squeezed down on it. Good. Um, no, no long-term, effects from the tourniquet itself maybe maybe some of that nerve stuff is but i really don't think it is um and and, you know let's talk about tourniquets a second yeah i want to ask you about that which i get to interrupt you for a second on the tourniquet thing yeah i mean me being outdoorsman and and doing a lot of hunting out west and, and 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 hiking and stuff and you know, in case, what if something does happen? Not that I'm asking you to for medical advice, but as no, EMS, yeah. I mean, like I said, we were taught in hunter safety not to do the tourniquet. Right. I mean, everybody hears yes. about tourniquet, but 
I mean, is it something that you recommend the average Joe doing if you were to run in something or only if you're properly trained or is it okay to do on someone else? Or I guess at, at what point should, should we say, okay, th- we should use a tourniquet or not use a tourniquet, I guess, as far as definition. Great. Wise. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Cause like you, you know, everybody always said tourniquet, tourniquet, don't ever do it. And, and like I said earlier, I thought putting that tourniquet meant I was going to lose that part of my life. Yep, right? That's what I was but, always taught. <clears throat> yeah. And that's what's been ingrained in us for so long. And, and unfortunately that's not the truth anymore. Right. They, you know, you look at, I'm going to go two different ways on this one. You look at all the research that's been done and, and all the research has been done on the battlefield. Right. And, and it's two and a half hours or so before you start causing permanent damage if applied correctly. Okay. Now, what I did for, for a lot of my family and the ones that are outdoors and, you know, same type of situation, I bought a, a trauma uh, first aid kit. I, I didn't buy them a first aid, just a band-aids and gauze and crap like that. It, it's a trauma one. And it's the same one I put on my motorcycle. It's got a tourniquet in there. It's got an Israel bandage. It's got a um, occlusive bandage. Um, so, you know, occlusive, what the hell is that? you get a puncture in your chest. Um, in, in maybe it's, you know, by your heart, by your lungs, whatever it is, air gets in there, it's going to start pushing down and, and your heart's not going to be able to pump anymore and, and you can't breathe anymore. So this keeps the air out of your chest cavity. Um, the hemostatic gauze, which, you know, it, it stops bleeding um, from say an artery, right? Those are the types of things. And, and, and the great part about that, without giving medical opinions, right, is it comes with directions. So read it before you, you do it. Look look at some of this stuff online. I mean, you can get onto Amazon. And it'll tell you how to use it before you even buy it. Um, just write the, like, like a, a tourniquet. Write the time on it. I, I'd say anybody. And, and as I learned in EMS, there's some points it's life over limb, Right. Yeah. Do, do I want to save the leg? Do I want to save the arm? Or do I want to live, right? Um, you think about different bleeding. If it's oozing, oozing oozing is more of, let's call it a vein or a capillary, right? So blood returning to your heart. A, a pulsation or a squirting, that's an artery. <clears throat> and you, you're going to be dead soon. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the dark, dark humor in the EMS world is, all bleeding stops eventually, right? Yep. Um, True. And 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 you know, uh, a capillary or a vein bleed isn't isn't going to dump out as much blood as a, a high pressure. I mean, think of like a, an oil line or something on your your vehicle. You, you you hit something in the road and you puncture an oil line. Guess what? You're going to run out of oil and it's going to be dead. Yep. So if if you've got something burning, cut that off, right? Not not cut it off, but get a tourniquet on there, write the time on there. Like I said, the, the, the military has done so much research on this. It's two and a half hours, um, if applied properly, that you're still going to, you're not going to do any permanent damage. So again, life over limb, think, think of it that way. Um, you, you might lose a foot, you might lose a toe, you might lose a half of your leg, but are you still here? Uh, you, you don't have to lay there in that ditch and say, this is where I end, right? Yeah. So a good good trauma. I'm, I I won't tell you a type, but a good trauma kit um, from Amazon or some of these you see on Facebook. 
man, it, they, they may be like 90 bucks, right? But okay. is that worth your life? I'd say to so. To me it is, you know, right? Even if you get a tourniquet and some, some pressure gauze or, you know, you can piece together your own off of Amazon or, or one of these Facebook sites um, for, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks. But, you know, you see some of these outdoor first aid kits that some of your bigger named outfitters, right? Um, they, they don't have anything but band-aids and gauze and uh, a, a friggin' emergency blanket and a whistle and shit like that, right? It, yep, it, mirror, signal mirror. Yeah, yeah. I mean, go back to the SOS on the phone. I think you're going to find someone. Um, it's, it's more of what can I do to save myself in the next five minutes, 30 minutes, one hour before somebody can get out here and get me help. Yep. Yeah, one thing uh, I wish they'd teach in high school is basic first aid. Oh, yes. You know, I yes. I wish it would be one of the classes that you had to take yeah. before you graduate because basic yep. first aid is something you're going to need your entire life. I mean, it is. be it on yourself or a loved one or if you have kids or, you know, just one of those life-saving things. It's, you know, I, you don't need to know everything that an EMS or firefighter no, has to know, no, but just basic, basic first aid skills, right. CPR right. classes are very important. Oh, yes. I mean, and, and now, you know, the two things just popped in my head as you're saying that, right? Like, here, let's go with first aid. How, how many times has somebody said, you got a bloody nose, so tip your head back? Well, you're not supposed to do that. I, I've heard that for years, and I figured out why. You know, you're going to start aspirating or you can choke on the blood, whatever. But even CPR nowadays, for the for the lay person, uh, compression only CPR. Learn it. American Red Cross has it on their website uh, of how to do it, and it's an online class. You don't have to give breaths anymore. Uh, EMS. Wow, I didn't even I didn't out, even right? I didn't even know that. I took CPR yeah. class uh, when I was a police explorer back in the late nineties. So yeah, 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 I didn't even know I didn't even know yeah. that that it changed. Ratios are. Yeah, ratios have changed. UW-Madison was the one that oh. did a huge study on this. And if you think about it and the mechanics of it, don't need to get really deep into it, but as you're pushing on the chest, what's it doing? It's pushing air out of your lungs. So when the chest is coming back up, what's it doing? It's sucking Filling air back in. Up. Yes. It's not a ton, but it's enough to if, if it's enough to keep somebody viable to survive until EMS or somebody that's trained to do it does show up. Right? Okay. So <clears throat> compression only CPR, American Red Cross, go on and look at it. I mean, you just it, it, go to the beat of staying alive. That's that's CPR, right? Yep. Same staying alive in your mind. Yeah, I'm going to definitely look that up. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's, Write that down right now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I bet a lot of things have changed since I took a class back in. Oh. Oh, uh, let me yeah. think here. 1994, I think it was. Four, yeah. That's 93, 94, something yeah. like that. I think I was a freshman in high school. It's probably 90, yeah, 93, what... not to age myself here. Yeah, no, you you and I are both aging ourselves. I mean, that's when I first started <laughs> taking lifeguarding stuff was back then. And, you know, CPR was, you got to know four different ratios and, and you got to have your pocket mask in your pocket, and, yep. you know, just all that. But no, it's, you know, know the basics and, and just know compression only CPR. That's, 
it's amazing. Yeah, and especially as an outdoorsman, because we're putting ourselves at risk anytime. Oh. I mean, even if you're not a hunter and you're just a, a hiker, you can easily slip, fall, break an ankle, um, slip, break an fall. arm, I mean, hit your head trauma. Oh. There's so many different things, or you're or you're the person that you're with can have have that happen to them, and then. There you sit, and you're like, oh, I got no cell phone service, and I don't know what to do. And if you knew some basic yeah. CPR things, or or basic, I should say, basic first aid things, or yeah. had a kit with you, you're able to stabilize that person, which is most important, is get them stabilized before you go get help. And yeah. then uh, and, and you, you ensure or give that person a better chance at a better outcome of, of the situation. That's it. That's it. And, and you mean... I mean, you think about back when you and I were growing up and you hear about these 50-year-olds dying of heart attacks on opening day of hunting, right? Yeah, that was very prevalent. <clears throat> totally. And, and it's still, you know, it, it's not as prevalent now, but you think about that. It's it's people like you and I that think we're in good shape and we go overexert ourselves and now we have a heart attack. And, and just knowing something simple to help help that somebody, right? It's It's just... Knowledge is key. Yeah. Well, thank you today, Chris, for, for all this information, especially once we get into the CPR stuff and the first yeah. aid. Yeah, definitely yeah. people out there are going to learn from this. And uh, I recommend everybody out there take a basic first aid class. I know there's a lot of different places that offer them. Um, you don't have to be a, a, a kid and going into uh, a, being a lifeguard in order to take these classes. Just get some no. basic first aid, get yourself a basic first aid kit, read it, know how to use it. I mean, that's the biggest that's thing is not, you know, people have stuff and they, they don't have a clue. You don't want to wait till the traumatic event happens and then you're trying to, in panic mode and you're trying to read through a set of instructions or, or watch YouTube yep. videos and try to figure this out. I mean, once you, <laughs> and once you read something, right? yeah, once you read something once, it should stick with you, the, at least the, yeah. the basics of it. You don't have to be a trauma surgeon in order to do these things. No, and just just knowing what you have and what you can handle. Yeah, and it, I yeah. I didn't know that you uh, you would after this uh, traumatic event that you had became a EMS and firefighter. That's awesome that you're able to give back in a rural community like that and and potentially save someone's life. And who knows, maybe one of the people that helped you that day, maybe you're going to be helping one of their loved ones or maybe even them. And saving yep. their life. And you, maybe you're the first guy there and you're there to stabilize them and help them out. So, yes. you know, definitely that day, uh, someone was watching out for you for sure. I've said this before. And, and uh, for sure. apparently there's a higher power, you know, thought you had more to do in this world and put that farmer there for a reason. Yep. You know, you're able oh, to find absolutely. him because who knows? If you don't find that farmer... Who knows what might have happened? Who knows how long you would have sat there? Right. And how much right. blood you would have lost and uh, maybe lost consciousness and who knows? Yep. Maybe yep. you and I aren't having this conversation. That, that would be the ultimate, right? That, uh, that, that could have definitely happened very easily in this situation. For sure. Yep. Well, thank you, Chris. Not a problem. Thank you, Brad. Looking forward to here in the final product. Will do. If you like what you heard today, click the subscribe button to hear more upcoming stories. 
If you or someone you know have a survival story you'd like to share, contact me at isurvivethewildoutdoors at gmail.com.